welcome to Over the Edge Podcast with Paige Ray. I am Paige. And this is a weekly chat about pushing creative boundaries, making big moves without knowing all of the answers, and jumping off a cliff to our dreams while figuring out how to build a plane on the way down. So find your favorite chair, grab your coffee, and get ready to live the dream without losing your mind. Let's go over the edge together, friends. Welcome to Over the Edge Podcast. We have an amazing guest today. She is a dear friend. We've known each other for a few years. We've worked together for a few years, and I cannot wait to introduce you to Bailey Hancock. Bailey is a collaborator, connector, and catalyst for community, which basically means she is a connection expert. So if you feel like your want in life is more connection, your want in work, in art, and anything that you're doing is connection. This is the episode that you are going to want to listen to. So Bailey, thank you so much for being here. Um, It is my absolute pleasure. And you realize we're we're coming up on seven years of <gasps> knowing each other. So a few times too. <laughs> what? Oh my goodness. I, I can't. Okay. Can we just have a moment for where does the time go? Because yeah. every day that feels more and more poignant. I just don't know how the time goes by so quickly. That's wild. Oh yeah. Goodness. 27. It was like, I think around 2017, probably summertime. I mean, that's when I met a whole slew of people that ended up becoming incredibly important in my life. It was like yes. 2017, 2018, this entire community of human beings came into my life through that back then called Boss Ladies Work Sesh. It transformed into Eredita. And I met all of my friends from Bra Network that way. And there were all of these communities that like emerged during that time that felt like exact perfect timing. And the people that came with them were just my people. And I have not felt that kind of instant connection with a group of people since. Like it was so special. Oh, it really was. It was just it, the way that we all came, came together. And I think in a lot of ways, like helped. I, I know for me, there was a lot of healing going on because I think we all came from like, we were millennials in high school in the early 2000s or the late 90s. And there was a lot of like, it was a lot then about like, who's popular or, you know, it, it was a lot of girls in competition with each other. So I yes. feel like a lot of us coming together at that time, like nobody was, um, there was no like, there was no cool table. There was no like click. It was just everybody together working together. And I just think that was, I think that was a good, like amazing healing moment. I think that was an amazing everything moment. Oh man. That's so true. I mean, I went out on my own in October of 2016, like literally weeks before the 2016 election that changed everything. Mm -hmm. And there was such a cultural moment, I think of women kind of putting down our, fear of other women or our mistrust of other women or our whatever, and certainly not across the board. But when Hillary lost the election, it just sort of shook me back into my body and made me realize like, oh my God, yeah, <laughs> we all need to be on the same page here. Like we yeah. all need to support each other. And exactly to your point, I feel like growing up, it was very much, you wanted to be part of the guys group. You wanted, I can speak mm -hmm. for myself. I was very much one of the guys and, you know, I would ditch my girlfriends in a second if I'm, if it meant being able to hang out with the boys. And it was just so male focused for me. And, and then even my first few jobs out of college, 
it was very much like you had to play with the boys. You mm-hmm. had to be one of the guys at work so that you could get ahead and you could be recognized and you better be at happy hour. You better be, you know, cool. You better be a cool girl. Don't be like the other girls, whatever that yes. means. Yes. And at the end of 2016, as I was going out on my own um, as a business owner, trying to figure out, okay, who do I, like, how do I do this? Who do I connect with now that I don't have coworkers? Thank goodness, like, boss ladies slash Eredita showed up literally within the same week of me going out on my own. I started gravitating towards female, you know, women focused entrepreneur groups and things Mm -hmm. like that. And it was like this whole new world that I don't think I realized I had healing to do around that either. And man, did I ever. Um, Mm -hmm. And it kind of started to help me realize that like female friendships, female camaraderie, female support, support was incredibly different feeling than anything mm-hmm. I had felt before. And it felt so good. And so the bulk of my community became women at that mm-hmm. point. And I saw myself kind of emerge in a way that I hadn't before. And it was just, it was incredibly healing. And I think mm-hmm. I'm still very much on that journey. I'm actually trying, I have the last couple of years been trying to reincorporate trust for men into my life. And I mean, I had a son in 2019. Mm-hmm. So that was definitely the kicker was like, oh, I, I don't dislike men. I think I just swung really far in the other direction for a little bit because I needed to. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, how do you go back to that, that middle piece on the Venn diagram where you're incorporate, incorporating masculine and feminine principles into your life and that energy and, and those connections across genders. And it's been, it's been an interesting ride, but yeah, 2017, 2018 brought into my life some of the most amazing women who taught me so much about myself, taught me what it was like to feel supported and loved and to be able to trust other people and learn to rely upon other people. And I've just been riding on the high of those relationships ever since. Yes. I know exactly what you mean. I'm in that same, I'm in a similar space because I, I specifically remember when working in the nine, my nine to fives and and that different world, like I would do things like try to remember to drop my voice a couple of octaves and not sound too excited. And so I swung very far the other direction when I moved into uh, commercial work and work, I work mostly with women, which I love and I still do. And it's just the last year or two that I feel better about letting the pendulum swing back to also, you know, being in collaboration with men more often and, and open opening up to that, not be, not because I feel like I need to go back, but because I feel like my, my nervous system is more rested around it now. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel like, I feel like I can command a space without having to try to command a space. Oh my gosh. Did you even know about nervous systems seven years ago? (laughs) I didn't. I had no idea. Like I didn't have that vocabulary or that understanding of, you know, you need to regulate your nervous system and Mm -hmm. make sure, I mean, and especially now I have two kids, I have two and a four-year-old. And I have to be emotionally regulated so that they can be because kids apparently can't even regulate their own nervous system till they're like seven or something like that. It's wild. So they like glom onto you. Mm -hmm. And if you're frazzled and if you're Mm -hmm. dysregulated, they will be too. So it's a lot of pressure. I'll be honest about that. It's like, oh, cool, cool, cool. Just have to have my shit together all the time. No problem. (laughs) Um, Which is not the case, right? It's, it's, It's less about having it together and more about being like, okay, can I come back into my body? Can I Mm -hmm. not be disassociating right now? 
which mm-hmm. again, didn't know what that word was seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Can I find a way to ground myself so that I'm not just in a reactive, um, stressed out zone and I can actually, you know, be able to understand what's going on in, in reality, not just what's happening in my body. It's, I mean, it's, it's hard all around, but I'm so grateful that I have that language now because it helps make sense of all the times when I was triggered and I lost it and reacted very badly. And, you know, I have a lot of grace for myself prior to understanding any of this. And now that I know, I feel like I can do better and be better. And that, that regulated nervous system can have ripple effects on all the people around me, which is pretty amazing. It's that's incredible because same, I actually didn't even know until two years ago, I was talking with a friend and I was talking about being stressed out and she said something around, it sounds like your uh, nervous system is dysregulated. And I was like, what does dysregulated mean? I don't even, and this is after years of like trying to work on calming my mind with other methods like exercising or movement or meditation. And I still didn't even know um, what dysregulated was. And she said, Oh yeah, you're, you, it sounds like you're trying to get back to a regulated mode, which is calm and peaceful. And I was like, do you mean that that's just how you're supposed to exist as like a calm, peaceful person? Like that's what we're supposed to be doing all the time. And she talked me through, which, which I had no idea that you're just supposed to be, you're supposed to be, you're supposed to be able to be, well, <laughs> you know, time. and I don't even know if it's like supposed to be right. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's the mm-hmm. ideal state. And we're human beings. And I, I fully believe that we're here to be people to explore the realm of emotions, all (laughs) of them, high, low, good, bad, left, right. And, but it's like coming back home, Mm -hmm. right? It's like you go on a journey every day. You go on this, uh, this emotional spectrum journey, Mm -hmm. right? Some days are more chill. Like it's a, it's a short trip versus like a whole epic journey, but -hmm. either way, you always need to come back home. And Mm -hmm. to me, home is a regulated nervous system in my body. It's like, okay, can I just remember that in this moment right now, this is like a trick that I use in this moment right now, if I were an alien and I dropped into my (laughs) body and I just had to assess the situation, is my stomach hurting? Like, am I hungry? No. Mm. Am I cold or too hot? Nope. I'm pretty good. Uh, Am I in imminent danger? Doesn't seem like it. Um, Am I feeling well? Yeah, not bad. And then if I can just get to the basics where it's like, okay, clearly I'm not in in a, in a dangerous situation in any capacity. I'm okay in this exact moment. That helps me regulate really quickly. And then I can more easily take stock of the situation beyond just me. And then I can, I can look at it with clear eyes and I can look at it from a grounded perspective, knowing full well, it could be seconds before I, I jump into a dysregulation again. Like, it's, it's a forever moving target, but I think it's that coming home piece that I did not understand before. And I think I spent decades away from home, you know? Oh, 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 yes. <laughs> yes. I love that because when I think about home to myself, home has never been like a specific place or area or location in the world. For me, home has always been other people, you know, who do I build around me? But I love the the concept of your body as your home, your first home, your most important home, the, you know, where you check in. I love that. Anyway, I, I love that system. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Let's talk about community a little bit. And 
because you are a or connection, you are a connection expert, but I also know that you're just really wonderful at bringing people together in connection and building a community from that. I would say something that's you, something that I've always witnessed you doing and you're just so like bright and wonderful and like, like the spirit that you bring to it is so I would say re- regulating to other people. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> but- thank you for saying that. The way that you build that, it brings everybody a kind of peace of mind. So I'd love to hear your view of connection and community and how they kind of uh, lay over each other. Honestly, I think it ties into the regulated nervous system thing. Mm. Um, I grew up in, you know, in, in in my experience when I was little, I didn't think anything was wrong or different or, you know, dysregulated about my, my childhood until looking back later where, you know, I have a dad who was an alcoholic and, um, there were just moments as a small child that I think I decided, okay, I'm in charge of me. I'm responsible for me. Nobody else is going to be responsible for me. I'm, I am in charge of me. And that very much, I think built upon my, my natural state of being, which is very independent and ambitious and, you know, all of those things that overachievers tend to describe them as. So I was already that way. And then this sort of amplified it. Right. And so what I've realized looking back many, many years later is that I've always been desperate for connection. I've always been desperate for community. I've always been desperate to be seen by other people. And now that I'm older and I know about human design, I'm a projector. Literally, the whole idea for projectors is to be seen and to be recognized for who we are and our talents and gifts in the world. And when you don't feel recognized and seen, the the experience is bitterness. And I've always said, like, I'm in a very bitter Bailey phase right now. Boy, I am bitter as hell. And it, it was totally that. It was like anytime I didn't feel seen or recognized, I would slip into bitterness immediately. And, and I spent a lot of my life feeling bitter. And I think the idea of connection, it was never on the surface, like even community. I never thought that that's what I was doing, but I look back and from the time I was like six, I was involved in Girl Scouts. I was in dance. I was playing soccer or lacrosse or any of these sports, right? I was in high school. I think sophomore year, I was in like eight extracurriculars simultaneously, and had a part-time job and a boyfriend and was taking, wow. you know, AP type classes. Mm-hmm. So in retrospect, it's like, oh God, you were just out there like putting out feelers everywhere to try and find your people so that you could feel seen and, and recognized for who you were. And interestingly enough, I have very recently come to this conclusion that I think I've always been seeking connection, but never actually truly felt connected. And Mm -hmm. that's because I hadn't really known myself all the way. And so in my head, whether this was conscious or subconscious, because I didn't feel like I knew myself, that meant that anybody that thought they were connecting with me, they weren't actually connecting with all of me. And so that connection almost fell short for me because you know, I was like, well, you don't know all of me. So you don't really love me. If you knew all of me, you wouldn't really love me. Right. And we all have things that we're maybe aware of. We're not aware of that, that we keep hidden or secret to even ourselves that kind of disconnect any connections that are attempted because it just feels like they're all the information's not there for the other person. So it's like, they're buying something without realizing everything that they're getting. So therefore they might return it if they realize they were getting everything. Right. And this is like very recent news to me. So I think growing up, 
you know, I was definitely the girl at lunch in high school that I would bop around to like five different tables at lunch. I never had like a tiny core group of friends. I always had a ton of friends. So it was like a lot of, I wouldn't say surface level friends, but I never really had a best friend growing up. And even, you know, relationships that I was in, I don't know that there was that deep connection that I so desperately desired and craved. And so interestingly enough, you know, they always say you teach most what you need to learn. And I didn't actually think that applied to me with collaboration. When I was an entrepreneur for five years, I was a collaboration consultant teaching people how to leverage connection to achieve their goals or succeed in life or whatever it was, right? And in my head, I'm like, I mean, but this is so easy for me. This makes perfect sense to me. And now I'm like, oh, I was trying to teach myself how to better connect, how to more deeply connect with people through teaching other people. And so it's it's truly such a mind fuck because it's like, oh my God, what else didn't I know that I definitely knew, right? This wow. whole time, you know, I'm I'm this person that calls herself like a community connector, collaborator person and Turns out, I mean, I'm good at it, you could say on paper, but in in the deepest sense, I'm trying to figure it out too. And I'm doing that through practicing with other people and helping other people understand how to do it too. Wow. Okay. I want us to sit with a couple of amazing things that you just said here. And I I think this is you're speaking to something that is so common. So dear listener, if this is sounds like you, um hang with us, hang with us because you said something that really hit home with me. I I have for a long time done the same thing where I know people, but I don't let them know me deeply or truly because I'm afraid they might return it. Yep. And that is the most perfect description of it. And even from my deepest relationships, not all of them, but even for some of my deeper relationships, there's still parts of me that aren't fully there because it just feels too scary. Like someone will hit the return button if I'm ever as loud as I really ever am, or if I'm ever as excited as I really ever am, or just other aspects. So I think that, ooh, let's sit with that for a second, that someone might return it because maybe we should all ask ourselves, has anybody ever actually said, I want to return it? You know, Literally never. Never. Right? What the hell? <laughs> and it's so stupid because it, it keeps you from actually being able to ever be seen by somebody. Mm-hmm. You're you're eliminating the possibility by withholding all of you. And look, mm-hmm. this is not to say that you make a new friend and you're like, here's a 50 bullet point list of everything about me that I've never told anybody and I'm super ashamed of. But I can even say this is true with like family members and with people that have known me my whole life, mm-hmm. right? And like, how will you know mm-hmm. if they fully love you until you let them fully love you? And I said to this, this started to make sense to me, or I was tipped off to this when my son, who I don't know, maybe he was two at the time. He said he loved me for the first time. And I told a friend, I think this is the, I think this is the first time I've ever believed somebody when they said they loved me. Wow. And I said it without any, it wasn't a thing. I was just like, yeah, I think it's it's so special because it feels like the first person I can really believe. And they're like, I'm sorry. Wow. Yeah. What? Because I was like 37 at the time. Mm -hmm. And when I dug into that, I realized it's because of what I just said that I, he, he only knows what he knows, of course, but he's, Mm -hmm. he wasn't saying I love you for any reason Mm -hmm. other than to just tell me because it made sense to him to say it. And, 
And so that's what sort of started to make me realize that, oh, I haven't believed anybody because mm-hmm. I don't think they have all the information um, to fully say that in truth. And mm-hmm. this is the dumbest part of this. There's <laughs> nothing about me that I think is some deep, dark, horrible secret that would turn people away. It's just, it's even what you said, right? Like, what if I showed up as my full self? Would that scare them off? Would they think I'm annoying? I think I worry about being seen as annoying a lot. <laughs> Me you too. Know? And like, yeah. why Why do we care? You know? Yeah. And I will say this too. The only time I don't have that fear is when I'm like a little bit high. <laughs> like, <laughs> like a weed gummy and I'm sitting there and I'm texting with a friend. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely showing up as my full self or I'm talking with my husband and I'm just saying what I actually mean. Mm-hmm. And the next day I'll often have like fear that I, I sounded weird or I sounded annoying or mm-hmm. I sounded whatever. And I'm like, dude, in the moment you weren't worried about that, which means you shouldn't be worried about it now. It's so stupid, but it's like, we have all these little fears of abandonment and rejection and they're so deep that mm-hmm our rational minds can't even wrap, wrap their heads around it. Right. So (laughs) I don't know. Humans are complicated, complicated. And we're so weird. And isn't that just like the loveliest part of being human is how just freak, just so weird to be human. And I, we are all so weird. It's so weird. And it's, I think that's the best part of us is how dang weird we are. And actually, so something else you said earlier, um, And I think this is part of the weirdness of humans is part of it. But you said, what makes us feel connected? And I think that's a good question for you is what is it in your knowledge of connection and community? What is it that makes us feel connected? Because I feel like a lot of us walk into a room and maybe we don't know anybody or maybe we don't or maybe we know just maybe a couple of people, but we're looking to know more people. And I think that's where we stop as we go, okay, how, how do I connect with people? What would make me feel connected to a person I've never met before or to people that we do know we, that we want to know more? What to you makes us feel connected? The first word that comes to mind is honesty and trust. Mm. It's being willing to be honest with yourself and others and creating a safe container for them to do the same for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can tell you the connections I've made that are on a faster track than normal are ones that have been made in a space that we're already all kind of open to being vulnerable mm-hmm. and doing a lot of self-reflection. I think that's why, you know, the Eredita circles in particular were so such catalysts for connection mm-hmm. was because we were all showing up, kind of laying everything on the table, right? We were sharing what was going wrong in our world in our business. We were mm-hmm. sharing what was going great. We were sharing our fears, our insecurities, our things that we were so proud of and looking forward to. Like it, it mm-hmm. doesn't have to be deep, dark, and shameful. It can honestly be like, I feel really proud of myself right now for this. And there's fear of coming off as braggy or mm-hmm. as, you know, full yourself. So it's like the spectrum again. And, you know, when I teach people how to connect the first thing I say you need to do is to know yourself. It's know yourself, not who you were, but who you are today. And I think many of us walk around with a perception of ourselves that's Mm. kind of outdated Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. that somebody else's perception that we took as truth. Yes. I had an ex-boyfriend that anytime I would show up in a space and be my full self, he would say, oh, 
you've got your big girl voice on today. Oh, no. <gasps> oh yeah. Oh yeah. <clears throat> and I mean, I learned the term gaslighting because of that relationship. Mm-hmm. Let's just say that. But, um, I let that be true. And mm-hmm. so I shrank and I put on my little girl voice, right? Mm-hmm. I put on my like smaller, more palatable voice anytime mm-hmm. he was around because I didn't want to be seen. To me, that meant you're being annoying and you're mm-hmm. being too loud and you're taking up too much space. Ooh. <sighs> so I took up less space and I was less annoying, but less annoying equals less me mm-hmm. and less unique and less weird and less whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And what's so stupid about it is it's subjective Mm -hmm. in every sense of the word, because what's too much for you is not enough for somebody else. And what's, what's less might be still too much for somebody else. Mm -hmm. So you kind of have to use your own thermometer in a way to decide, well, what am I comfortable being? What's my, what's my perfect temperature, right? Like (laughs) what's my natural state and let's just do that. And the beauty of doing that and of being your weird, truest self Mm -hmm. is, yeah, you might lose some people and good for it because they are not your people. And you might suddenly attract people that weren't attracted to you before because they weren't seeing the connection points available Mm -hmm. between you two because you were suffocating them. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if you can, you know, let's go back to the example you shared, like you're walking into a room and you're trying to connect with people. The thing that I say now is like, be fully you so -hmm. that it essentially like puts on a light switch and lets the people that are meant for you see you and know that you're there so that Mm -hmm. they can gravitate towards you and be seen by somebody that seems to be kind of similar to them or, or represent somebody that they'd like to be, or has something to offer that they want. Like people can't like your future old friends can never find you if you're putting on a mask. Because then you're, you're like keeping them from seeing their person, you know? This is so true. And I'm thinking specifically of a time when I think we were all at one of these meetings in 2017, 2018. And I think it was, I think it was still a boss ladies meeting or something like that. And I remember one of our friends, I was still figuring out how much I needed to measure myself in front of people. So it was definitely earlier days, but one of our mutual, one of our mutual friends got up and she spoke in front of the whole circle about a really difficult time that she was having. And she allowed herself to be emotional about it and, and also share some things that were helping her. And I just thought, oh my God, like I have felt exactly that. And it is so amazing that somebody said it out loud in front of us. And now like, now I know not only am I not alone when I feel like that, but it's okay to say it to other people and just be yourself in that moment too. I thought it was one of the most amazing things I'd ever seen. And it's been five or six years and it was such a small moment. It wasn't even like a major thing that that we all made a, we didn't like make a big deal out of it, but I go back to it in my head. Anytime I think of um, being a little more raw or a little more vulnerable in front of you know, a group or people or one-on-one, I think about that because it was, she was so seen and heard in that moment and it was so mm-hmm. loving and respected. And I just thought that was so powerful. It just sticks in my head all the time. Well, it modeled the behavior for you. Mm-hmm. That's and it. That's yeah. That's so. Anytime I'm feeling insecure about being vulnerable, mm-hmm. I tell myself it's not for me. Mm-hmm. It's for mm-hmm. people watching me or listening mm-hmm. to me. Right. It's like when I can show up vulnerably or authentically or the most me that I can be. It's showing other people, especially women, that it's okay to do that and that mm-hmm. you're not going to, you know 
metaphorically die if you show up that way, right? Yeah. It's 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 giving them permission and it's modeling the behavior. Mm-hmm. And especially I, I think about this so much now because I'm a mom and everything I do is being watched by my kids. Mm. Everything. Yeah. They don't miss a thing. Mm-hmm. And I have to be so much more intentional about how I explain things or how I behave and react to things because they're taking notes, you wow. know, and we never stop taking notes as humans. Yeah. Yeah. We always are watching and looking for permission or looking for the way forward. So if you're not going to do it for yourself, do it for other people, but know yes. that it's going to end up working out for you too. I love that because that adds another layer to when we ask the question, what makes us feel connected? And the answer is know yourself. I feel like that adds a layer of know yourself and own yourself. Oh, yeah. Right? Because that's whenever I think to myself like, oh, I'm too loud. I'm too emotional. I'm too excited. I see other people who are just as loud and emotional, as excited as I would ever be, but they own it. They're not afraid of it. And they're so respected for it. And that's who I look at and I go, okay, this is something that can't, this is available. We don't have to make our, I don't have to make myself smaller. And I think that's an important note that you also said of how, how many ways we make ourselves smaller. And this is a conversation I have come back to multiple times with multiple people recently is that we spend a lot of our time looking forward in our lives or looking in the present in our lives, which is certainly to be present is a fantastic thing, but there will be a day when we are more looking back at our lives than we are looking forward. And I think about, you know, am I going to wake up on that day and ask myself, how much of myself did I make smaller or hide or wash away for the sake of something else, somebody else, or because I felt like I should. For the sake of what? Exactly. Exactly. Who is this for? Exactly. That's, that's what I come any, any time I get scared these days, I, or worried, or I think I should do this, or I should do that, the shoulds. I, then I ask myself for what, for what, what end? Exactly. Exactly. Who Who are you, who are you performing for? Right. Whose love and, Mm -hmm. um, time and attention are you seeking that you're willing to shift who you are fundamentally as a person to achieve. And if you are correct that you needed to do that to get that, why do you want that person's love anyway? If exactly. you have to shrink yourself to receive it, it, it just, it, it is a logical and yet. And yet, and the thing I, that hit me the other day was anybody else that you ever live your life for or make a decision for, and I'm sorry, dear listener, if there is loud noises behind me because my, my, I'm having a microphone situation today. It hit me the other day that anybody else that you live your life for, or if you're spending a ton of time thinking about other people's advice more so than your own, they are not the people who are going to wake up one day when you're looking back at your life instead of looking forward. They're not going to wake up in your shoes, in your bed, in your life and be able to take care of it for you. They're not going to wake up tomorrow and take, if you, if you show up at an event or wherever you want to be and you don't show up as yourself and you, and you go, oh, I should have done this or that, whoever you shrunk yourself for is not going to come in tomorrow and clean, clean it all up or relive your life or make you feel better about it. They don't care enough to do that. They don't care enough. They only care enough to make you smaller. And it's just not worth the waste of it all because for what, for what? Well, and a more, an even more depressing fact is they're probably actually not thinking about you Mm -hmm. as much as you think they are. Mm -hmm. And they're not going to be with you in your body, in Mm -hmm. your home, the rest of your life, even if they're next to you, 
that's still a layer apart. And Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just, it, none of it, it all defies logic. And yet this is how most of us live our lives. And I think it's one of the saddest things because we are effectively cutting ourselves off from opportunities to know others and be known by others. And so one of my goals this year was tell the truth more often. Mm. And it wasn't like I lie all the time. That meant more like I want to be honest with myself and with other people about myself. Yeah, And that's everything from like, you know, the way this comes out mostly is, is Instagram stories. So mm-hmm. once I went back in house and shut down my business at the beginning of 2022, I suddenly no longer knew who I was on Instagram, who was at Bailey Hancock. Cause mm-hmm. I wasn't selling something. I wasn't trying to prove my expertise in anything. I was just a person and I no longer even knew what to say or how to show up or what to share. So I kind of stopped for a long time And within the last six months, maybe I've started just practicing this idea of like showing up as I feel like showing up. What a radical Mm -hmm. concept, (laughs) Um, which means letting people in on the things I'm thinking about and Mm -hmm. the things I'm reading about and the concepts I'm exploring and I'm curious about. And it's been so much more freeing and exciting and like satisfying Mm -hmm. because it's again, it's like hanging up a flag saying, Hey, I believe this, or I think about this, or I'm curious about this, or I'm into this. And then it lets other people find you and be like, Oh my gosh, me too. Right. Even just the way I've been thinking about life and the universe and all the things, right. That, that one thinks about, um, it's been really nice to be like, so here's this concept that I'm kind of, I've been rolling around in my head and I still don't quite know what to do with it, but like, this is what I'm thinking. And by doing that, it allows other people to show up and collaborate with me on the curiosity, which Mm -hmm. again, collaboration is like the crux of my existence. And Mm -hmm. it's allowing people to be like, oh my gosh, I don't know anybody else that thinks that way. I think that way too. Let's Mm -hmm. talk about it. Or have you read this book? Oh my God, you have to listen to this podcast. Or, oh my God, have you seen this document? Like it allows people to show up and collaborate and contribute to this thing that you were doing in isolation, right? You know, you know what I think that speaks to, because I think about this a lot. What if we just, because social media can be just one big art project. And so I think about, you know, what if I didn't have to show up for work? What if I just got to show up for fun? And I think that that speaks a lot in a lot of ways to letting, letting that be like the art of yourself, where you make Mm -hmm. yourself your own central piece of artwork in your life. Because yeah. I think once we do that, I think and to me, that's an act of love. And I, like, I am still in a journey of like learning to love myself. And what does that mean? What does that look like? And so part of that is how do I make myself my art in my life? And whatever that means to me, I think that would mean something different for everybody. But um, how do, how do you think, do you, do you ever think of yourself as like the art of your own life or the, or is this like an expression of the art of you? I love that idea. I've never thought of it in that way. And again, here, look this just gave me a whole new way to think about this, right? It's like a whole new container to pour all of these pieces into. And I think that's, that's so speaks to being a human. We, I was thinking about this on my walk this morning. When we're little, we don't have words yet. We don't have understanding yet of universal experiences versus individual experiences. And I think when you're younger, you think everything's an individual experience. Mm -hmm. You think what you're feeling or going through is so unique to you. 
And then you get older and you realize, oh, get in line. Like (laughs) there are billions of people feeling something similar. And of course, every single person is going to have their makeup of Mm -hmm. combination of things that they're experiencing and all of that. And who knows, maybe there's no two people that have had the exact same situation or or combination of, of stuff, but your individual experiences are very much universal. And that's where the connection piece I think plays in deeply is the more you can share your experience, the more you can see, oh, I'm not alone in this. Mm -hmm. This person has a version of this too. I mean, you and I are both divorcees who Mm -hmm. are remarried (laughs) Mm -hmm. and even in that moment where you logically know, okay, well, half people, half the people that got married are going to have a similar experience to me. Right. Mm-hmm. But you still feel very isolated and alone and like, oh, this is specific to me. And then you start mm-hmm. sharing with others and you talk about it with others. And suddenly you're like, oh my God, my feeling is validated by somebody mm-hmm. else. And now I have a new way of looking at it because mm-hmm. they've picked up something from somebody else and shared it with me. One of the best things that anybody's ever called me is a cross pollinator and Ooh, that I think so good, right? It's like little beans go from flower to flower and they pick mm-hmm. up the pollen and that's how, that's uh. how plants are pollinated is their little feet track pollen all over all these flowers. Yes. And that's why there's all this cross pollination and everything. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, and I don't think this is unique to me. I think we are all cross pollinators. We're all little bees floating from one flower to another, picking up concepts. You see it with friends. They pick up each other's mm-hmm. vocab or they pick up sayings, right? Mm-hmm. We are all, I, I mean, it gives me goosebumps thinking about like all the relationships we've ever had. We take a piece of that person with us. Mm-hmm. They get integrated into our vernacular mm-hmm. and our belief systems mm-hmm. and our fears and our joys and all of the things, right? Like we've all have relationships with somebody that turned us on to a particular band mm-hmm. or a particular <laughs> movie or show or book or whatever. And then even when that relationship ends, we take that with us and then maybe we share it with somebody else and it's, it's cross pollinating forever and ever. And the, the mechanics of cross pollination are connection. Mm-hmm. That is how it happens. If you keep it all in you and you don't share those ideas then it stays inside and it never goes past the flower where you picked it up. But Mm. if you can find the connection points with somebody, if you can find (laughs) the overlap between you and another person, that's, that's kind of the, the crux of the work I do with connection too, is seeking the overlap. And what I mean is, Mm-hmm. And if you picture yourself and another person as a Venn diagram, mm-hmm. that part that overlap your two circles, that's where you start. You start mm-hmm. close in and then you can move further out. But if you can find the place where Bailey and Paige overlap, what do we mm-hmm. have in common? Connect. And then you can start to say, oh, and I think this. And you're like, oh, cool. I think this. And those can be on our individual circles, but we have the strength of that overlap that help Mm -hmm. us sort of stay tethered, even when we're introducing new things to one another and we're coming up with new ideas together that didn't even exist before. My, My favorite saying that I use for collaboration is my this plus your that equals our magic. And it's like, what's the third thing that comes from your connection with somebody Mm -hmm. else. And that third thing then becomes a one, it just, it's the ripples are outstanding. And I, I fully believe that if this world were more available for connection, we would be in a completely entirely different place. Mm. I just, I just needed a moment of 
letting that land. That is so good. I love that. I, before before we go, I you also do retreats. You also do retreat and corporate kind of trainings where you sit with people and you bring them together in community and connection. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. I've for five years, I did collaboration consulting and I taught hundreds and hundreds of workshops on collaboration and partnerships and how to use those in your life and your business to, to succeed and feel great. Right. And what I think I didn't know back then was one can't collaborate without connection. And if you do, it's Ooh. very surface level. It's very transactional. It's very, meh. um, it lacks the holistic beauty that can come when you actually have a connection with a person you're collaborating with. And so recently I've been really doing a lot of deep thinking about connection and the, the importance of it. So everything we've just talked about has been rolling around in my brain for the last like couple of years. So I've started teaching a workshop called Seeking the Overlap, the Art of Connection. And effectively what I'm doing is I've taught it at retreats where everybody's in a very vulnerable space and they're available for that kind of thing. And I've taught it for corporate teams between coworkers to help them understand how to connect with each other, with clients out in the world. Um, it kind of takes the shape of like, what is connection versus networking? Are they the same? Are they different? I think yes and yes. Um, they are different in every way possible. And they they can also be the exact same if done well. So a lot of the goals of what I'm trying to do is help people understand how to keep things from being transactional. How to, regardless of the circumstance and the setting, how do you still allow connection to take place so that you can move forward together in a way that you couldn't, if it were just a handshake and business card exchange, mm -hmm. but rather like, how can you get to the good stuff quicker? So when you're meeting somebody for the first time, you know, I mentioned knowing yourself is crucial. One of the other very important pieces, there's two components. There's being curious and actually listening when somebody's talking and there's being open and honest when you're talking. Mm. And what we often do is avoid both of those things. We keep it really light. We keep it really surface because we're a lot of times when you go into a situation where you're trying to meet people, it can feel very, um, quantity over quality. And like, mm -hmm. you know, I don't see it as much these days, but definitely back in my corporate -y days, it was like, how many business cards can I pick up in this networking event? Right. How many hands can I shake? Now I would much rather meet two people and spend a decent amount of time really getting to know them and talking to them and like understanding kind of who they are as a person before mm -hmm. the end of the night versus just doing, you know, a spray and pray methodology of just see if you can talk to as many people in the room as possible. So the being curious and listening, that piece is crucial because we are often listening to somebody while simultaneously thinking about what we're going to say next instead of actually hearing what they're saying and listening for clues. I so, love that. Yeah, no, it's, it's perfect. It's like when you think about any conversation you've had with somebody new, you're usually like, okay, how can I follow up with something about myself or like mm -hmm. waiting your turn to speak as opposed to really hearing what they're saying 
And in the moment, thinking of a follow-up question you can ask them. And I know you have a reporting background. So do I. It's it's kind of built into being a an interviewer, mm-hmm. right? You have to be present. You have to be fully present in the moment. You have to really listen to what they're saying so that you can then ask a good follow-up question. So that's really crucial. And then the being open and honest piece, when it's your turn to share, this is everything we've been talking about. Like how much of yourself are you willing to lay out so that they can actually hear and recognize and see you in return. So those pieces are really important when connecting with people because otherwise it becomes transactional and you can check a box that you did it, but what did you really achieve there? Oh my gosh. I feel like we could do a whole other episode on this. I'm Um, always down. (laughs) So that'll be, we should definitely do a part two. And in the meantime, tell people how they can connect with you. Ah, yes, that part. So right (laughs) now I'm in a very blobby, weird state in terms of my virtual presence because, you know, I think the world has shifted so much with social media and all of that, but I do exist on Instagram at Bailey Hancock and it's B-A-I-L-Y, Bailey with no E. Thanks for that, mom. Um, It gives me good (laughs) SEO though, so I can't be mad. But yeah, you can find me on Instagram. I have a private account right now. I'll say yes to you. Send me a little DM and tell me uh, where you found me. And I have baileyhancock.com, which is my website. So if you're interested in learning more about these connection workshops, please do reach out um, because I, I'm very interested right now in finding a scenario where it doesn't work because (laughs) so far (laughs) I can do it in retreats where everybody's Mm -hmm. feeling very warm and fuzzy towards each other already. I can do it in corporate environments where people are feeling not warm and fuzzy and open to connecting with each other. I think it makes sense for couples. I think it makes sense for parents and children. I think it makes sense for politicians. Mm -hmm. I think it makes sense for just about any scenario. So I dare somebody to find a scenario where a connection workshop would not be relevant. I love that. Okay. I, I definitely want to stay updated. Thank you so much for being here with us today. And we'll have to do another, we'll have to do another episode. <laughs> Part two coming soon. Cause I for could sure. talk to you forever. And yeah, there's so much more here. It's, it really is like, if I can leave everybody with anything, I think connection is the key to living a good life and knowing yourself. Like to, Mm. to have somebody else know you is to know yourself as well. And it helps us like see ourselves from multiple angles when we can truly be seen by somebody and to see others is such a beautiful gift that we can give to people, especially people we love, you know, like Mm -hmm. truly get to know them. Like, who are they? Why are they like, that is the good stuff of life. I love that. Okay. That's a perfect way to wrap the show today. Thank you so much for being here, Bailey. I so appreciate it. You're welcome. And I love you. And I'm so glad we're connected forever. Same. (laughs) Thank you for joining me here today on Over the Edge podcast. Come back next week. And of course, like, subscribe, give me five stars. I would love that. Um, Help a girl out because I am new to this podcasting thing and I could really use the support. Thank you guys so much for being here and I'll talk to you next week.